Welcome to Whatever It Takes Radio, helping you do whatever it takes to succeed in marriage and in life. I'm your host, Paul Speed, and today I'm with my beautiful wife, Jenny, and we are in beautiful Blue Ridge, Georgia. Hello, Jenny. Hey, hon. And why are we in Blue Ridge, Georgia? Oh, well, Will, we have a Four Days to Hope coming up in two days, and so we are up here preparing, getting the two cabins that we rent up here ready for the women to arrive. I'm so excited about this weekend. You know, I've been doing these hopes for four years now, and I have seen God do absolutely uh, amazing miracles in the lives of these women who attend. And I love it that they come from a different age range. I'll have anywhere from the age of 17, 18, all up into, you know, 65, 70. Um, different age ranges. They come from all over the United States, uh, Mexico, Canada. So the Lord just brings women in from all over. And But the thing that we have in common is that we've all suffered hurts and wounds in our lives. And we know that we are not completely through that, that there's those hurts and wounds are holding us back and areas of our life. And so we really want to find total freedom from those wounds. And so that's kind of like what we do here on the weekend is that I have a workbook that I, I was able to write uh, four years ago. And it's a really powerful tool that we use to help the women walk through the hurts and wounds in their life, how to truly forgive, how to walk them out, and how to not allow those hurts and wounds to set the, the course of their life anymore, but to be able to be completely free from those things that have been done to them or against against them, and to walk totally after the Lord in a healthy, healthy way. Hmm. Well, I'm excited. You've got another weekend, and um, you've got some women that are um, definitely in need of that, and I know it's going to be a blessing to them. I've watched you do them over the years, and I think most of our listeners would agree that a lot, if not most of the issues in our life are the result of hurts and wounds in our lives, and it's not just for women. It's men also. And it's how we process them and how we reacted and responded to them that are causing possibly this issues in our life currently. And that's irregardless of what our age is. Yeah. You know, you just said how we process through them. That really is the issue or the problem, I should say, is that we all have been wounded. We've all been hurt throughout our lives. You know, that's just life. There's lots of hurts and pains that come in life. But the key is, how do you process through those hurts in a healthy way? Most of us process through hurts and pains in an unhealthy way. And so I'm excited about today's material. We've been talking for the last few podcasts on, we started out talking about bitterness, what it looks like, what it does to us, how it it poisons us, that bitterness is like poison. You know, you swallow it waiting for the other person to die and they don't die, you do. So we talked about that and then we came back and started talking about what forgiveness doesn't look like. And then we talked last time about what it does look like. And then today we're going to take it from there and talk about the five steps that I have seen to be very needed and powerful in the life of anyone who suffered a wrong done to them in order for them to be able to truly release that other person and forgive them. So we're going to be walking through those five steps today on how to truly forgive and release the person who's wounded you. Yeah. And as we do this, um, I know, Jenny, this is something that you teach and help women walk through it four days to hope. But these are the same principles you and I have used in our own lives. And we help couples and I work with men that have to go through the same process of forgiving those who have hurt them. Last week, um, we kind of gave a definition of what does true forgiveness um, look like? What does it mean? And we talked about it's choosing to release 
um, the one or the person who has wounded you into God's hands and to stop trying to demand payment for their wrongful deeds. And you talked about how they can't pay back often, especially for emotional pain, that um, there really is no way that that person can pay you back. So forgiveness is being able to um, reach a point to where you stop trying to extract payment for that and um, be able to release them into God's hands. And that's what true forgiveness looks like, that it's a process, that it's not a one-time thing. It's a day-to-day choice of, of dying and choosing to forgive. And that led us right into, well, what? how do we do that? What's the process? And that's what you just alluded to. And we're going to be talking about today the five steps to true forgiveness. So let's jump right in and um, start with number one. Jenny, what's the first step that someone needs to consider or be able to process through in order to find true forgiveness? Well, step one is choose humility. You've got to resist pride. Pride causes us to hold on to offenses that have been done against us. You know, this is really key. You cannot truly forgive another person if you're walking in pride. Mm. Uh, You can't. There's no way. And so... Um, you know, I think about the story of the father and the prodigal son. I read a book several years ago by Kenneth Bailey taught, titled The Cross and the Prodigal. That book was so um, impactful in my life as I was struggling at that time with uh, a, someone in my family, not you. It was a child who had hurt me and wounded me. And when I read that book, um, it was pretty amazing to hear how the father responded to that son, that he didn't respond in pride, wanting the boy to pay for what he had done, you know, looking at that boy and saying, hey, you squandered your inheritance, everything that I've worked hard for, look what you've done. But instead, that father humbly met that son that day when he was returning home, mm-hmm. and he extended his hand, and he brought him into the home, and we all know that story, and uh, it's just amazing because when you look at the father, actually what this book explains is that in the Jewish heritage and history back in those days, when a young man would go away and not spend the inheritance well, because it was actually common for a young man to ask for his inheritance before his father died. That was very common, according to this book by Kenneth Bailey, that a young man would go to his father and say, hey, dad, I'm ready to start a family. So will you go ahead and give me my inheritance so I can go find my parcel of land and I can start building up, you know, my wealth so that I can marry and have children and, and, you know, start my life. And so that wasn't unusual. As a matter of fact, it was so common that there were two ceremonies that they actually would perform when that young man would come back, you know, years later or a year later to say, hey, this is what I've done with the money, Dad. I want you to to see what I've done. And um, there was a ceremony that was celebrated uh, in a good way to say, yay, he's done well. And they would slaughter the calf and they would throw this big party, a congratulatory ceremony so that the father could show his son off to everyone. And then there was a ceremony that was for the negative, the ceremony where when the young man didn't do well, and it was called the Kazaza ceremony. And um, it was a, a ceremony of shame. So if a young man came back and he had not done well with his money, he had not invested it wisely, um, that word would spread among the villagers. And so when he was approaching the city, they would actually run out into the streets with a big earthen clay pot. And they would run up to the young man and they would bash it at his feet. And then they would scream and they would jeer and all these uh, statements of condemnation and shame towards him because he had squandered his father's money, his inheritance. 
And so that there were the two ceremonies. And so they would await uh, to see which ceremony was going to be celebrated uh, when this young man returned, the good one or the bad one. And so the amazing thing about the story of the prodigal son is you see a father who should have been calling for the Chiazza ceremony. He, you know, his son had not done well. So the villagers should have been gathering with a clay pot to go and bash at his feet. And so, but what you see in this, the prodigal son story is a father who stands and he's looking and he's waiting for his son to return. And he doesn't want the shame and the guilt and the condemnation to be put upon his son. So instead of, of just waiting in his house like normally, normally would happen where he would wait while the villagers performed the ceremony and then slowly at his appointed time he would walk out and he would extend his hand to his son and bring him in the house. This father doesn't do that in that story. He, he's not waiting in pride in his house for his son to receive the shame and the condemnation that was due him. Instead, in the story of the prodigal son we see in Scripture, here's a father that says, no, I am going to humble myself and I am going to run to my boy. I'm going to run to that son. I'm not going to allow that ceremony to take place. I'm not going to allow him to suffer shame and condemnation and guilt for what he's done. I'm going to restore him. That was such an act of humility. You know, when we read that story in Scripture, we don't understand without the background what it's saying here. But uh, Kenneth Bailey tells us in that book that to, in order for a patriarch of a family to do what that father did, he had to bring shame upon himself because he had to literally lift his robe and run through the streets. And in those days, for a patriarch, an older man, to lift their robe would be a shame to him because you were never a, a, supposed to allow your ankles, your legs to be exposed. So here's a father who takes on humility. He takes on shame on himself, and he lifts his garment, and he runs to that boy. What an amazing story of someone who's been hurt, someone who's been wounded. An injustice has been done against him by his son, but yet he chooses to resist a spirit of pride and to grab hold of humility and to run to that boy and to bring him into the home and to throw the party, the celebration party for a boy who has done well. I mean, what an amazing story. And so I remember reading that and just weeping about my own situation and saying to the Lord, will you forgive me that I've been trying to extract payment for this, from this child that's hurt me? And God, I want to release that. I want to release them. And Lord, I just want to love them. I want to be that prodigal father that's waiting to run to that one, regardless of what they've done in a spirit of humility. So that's step one. We have to look at that person and then that's hurt us, that's wounded us, and we have to say, God, I want to choose humility. I have right. to choose it. Right. You know, Scripture says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And we have to choose to do that. I don't think anywhere in Scripture, Paul, that I've seen are we to pray to be humble. God, would you just help me to be humble? No, we have to choose right. humility. And choosing humility is a death. When you say, I want to choose humility in this situation, you're choosing to die. Hmm. You're choosing to die. And so that's a powerful, powerful first step. Hmm. If you're going to forgive someone, the first thing that you have to do is you have to choose to die. You have to choose to no longer try to extract payment from them for the wrong that's been done to you. I'm going to choose to die. I'm going to choose to let this go. And I'm going to 
to choose to release them into the hands of God. Now, right. last podcast, remember, I want to remind our listeners, because if somebody listens to this podcast and they didn't listen to the ones prior to this, you know, inevitably a woman is going to hear this or a man's going to hear this and they're going to get really mad because they're going to say, but you don't understand the pain. You don't understand. Am I supposed to just be a doormat and let them walk all over me again? Please, I want to warn our listeners, go back and listen to the other two podcasts right. because we talk about that even though you're extending forgiveness and you're releasing and you're letting go, there are still going to be consequences. There's still going to be a process that you have to walk through in order for there to ever be reconciliation. So please don't misunderstand these five steps. You got to go back and listen to the other podcasts and put it all together. All right? Yeah. Well, I don't think that um, those things get nullified just because you choose humility in your life. Because um, humility is not just letting someone walk over you or not have to pay for consequences for something they've done. And um, we have consequences when we sin. Um, God doesn't remove those from us um, when we sin against him. So I, I think that goes um, saying very true. But I love that story and just hearing you say it again, it just reminds me, humility really is one of the, and being able to forgive someone from the heart is one of the, um, I think best ways that we can emulate Christ in our own lives. In other words, what he did for us, we turn around and do for another person. I know when you and I walked through the time of coming clean with you, um, and I said to you one day, and I've said it publicly, I think it's on our testimony DVD, that um, I would have never known the love of Christ the way I do today had we not walked through and watched you forgive me for the great hurt that I did toward you. In other words, your forgiveness is what reached out to me and made me see Christ in living form, so to speak. And I think of that father in the prodigal son story, because we're always talking about the prodigal son or his brother in this situation. But to, to see that father as, a, as our God figure, in other words, God who had the right to look at the son and say, look what you've done. You've blown it. You know, don't come back. But instead... He ran to the son and he's the one who had to humble himself in order to reach this son and restore him. And that's, it's a beautiful picture of what God does for us. And here it is with your first step in forgiveness of saying, what a tremendous opportunity. Yes. When we've been hurt, like you said, it doesn't nullify all the other things we talked about last week in the previous podcast, but it is a step that we have to go through. Why? Because God resists the proud and if we're going to turn to pride in order to pay someone back or to try to um, demand payment for something, then God's hand is against us now. Mm -hmm. But humility will bring God close to us. He will meet us in those needs. And it's our opportunity to grab hold of God's grace and um, choose humility. So what's the second one, Jeannie? What's the second step? Step two is we must choose to look at our own sin. I can remember, Paul, when you and I went through what we were going through years ago with your, you know, coming clean about the stuff in your life. In the beginning, I was totally focused on what you had done to me. I was a victim and I sat there and said, you know, how could you do this to me? And then shortly after that, the Lord began to look at me and say, but Jenny, what about you? Now, now that's hard for a woman who's just been told her husband's cheating or something like that. That can and, be hard for anybody, I would say. Yeah, it is hard. And so I, I want you, my, our listeners to hear me out here, okay? Because this is where sometimes the women will shut down on me. Like, what? You're blaming me? 
And no, I'm not blaming you for what your husband has done or your father or your child or whoever that person is that's hurt you. I'm not blaming you for what they did to you. What I'm saying is we have to look for our personal responsibility in how we have responded to what was done to us. That is really, really key. And so if not, you won't ever get through it. You'll continue to hold on to unforgiveness and you'll never be able to forgive. So when you came to me and shared all that with me, immediately I was very angry, you know, and I went through all these emotions that women normally go through. But then I had to say, God, show me me. Show me me. And one of the things that the Lord did in that time was he showed me how self-righteous I was, that I had a major spirit of self-righteousness and judgment, how I had um, really, really not been loving towards you in a lot of areas of our marriage, that I felt I was more spiritual than you were. And so there was this constant spirit of judgment. Now, does that mean that every marriage issue is you know, the wife's doing that. No, I'm just sharing my issue. And so as I began to repent of my sin, you know, I, we talk about at our marriage conferences, the 90-10 principle, that your spouse or your mother or your father or your child, whoever this person that you're having conflict with, they be may be 90% wrong, 90% wrong. But you need to take 100% responsibility for your 10%. Just look at your 10%. And if you'll focus on your 10%, guess what? You'll walk in humility and you'll be able to walk in forgiveness. And so that's what I had to do is I kept having to look at myself. And, you know, Matthew chapter 7 talks about removing the beam from your own eye first. We have to remove that beam from our own eye. You know, once we do that, Scripture says, remove the beam from your own eye so that you can now help your brother remove the speck from his. The whole purpose of that is to get it out of your eye so that you can help that other person. But you can't help them if you've got a beam in your eye. And so you do that by looking at your own sin. I remember one day, Paul, going down the road, and I was in my big 15-passenger van with all my little kids in it, and they were all seat-belted in the, the back of the van way back there. And uh, they're talking and cutting up and singing or whatever, and I'm driving. And I was in the midst of the pain. This was the early years, and uh, something triggered me, and so I was hurting deeply thinking about the betrayal that I felt from you. And all of a sudden, I began to be consumed with it, and I started to become very angry. And so I remember glancing up in the mirror and seeing those kids in the back of the, and I, and I thought, okay, I can say this, but I got to say it quietly. I'm an external processor, so I have to process out loud. So I started saying out loud in a quiet voice so they couldn't hear me. Okay, God, thank you for forgiving me for being a liar, for being self-righteous, for being um, immoral, for being rebellious. And I started naming all my sins from my childhood all the way up into that present day that I was driving that van. And I just started focusing on all the things that God had forgiven me for. And then when I did that, I got through listing all these horrible sins that I'd committed in my life. I said, now, God, help me to be able to forgive my husband. And, and what I was doing in that moment of anger was I was taking my focus off of what had been done to me, and I was focusing on me and the forgiveness that I have received from my Heavenly Father. And so that's step two. You've got to recognize 
that you've been forgiven much Mm. in order for you to be able to forgive. Wow. I can see from that story that Jesus shared about the man that went before the king that owed all the money and the king forgave him of his debt. And he went right out on the street and he found someone that owed him a little money and he tried to extract payment from that individual instead of uh, focusing on what he had been forgiven for, the great debt that that King had forgiven him for, that probably would have changed his viewpoint and his end probably would have turned out better. But I think we do that a lot, don't we? Uh, Yeah, we do. Absolutely. We get so consumed with looking at this person, this sin of the other person, that we don't see our own sin. You know, I can remember years ago, Paul, I had a young couple that came through our ministry and um, their marriage was in crisis. He had confessed uh, that he had been uh, committing adultery. So it was very painful for that young woman. And I walked through that, watching her go through that. And then it had been about six months out and she was really stuck in the cycle of anger. You know, I go through at my four days to hope the stages that a woman goes through when there's been betrayal in her life. And stage one is denial. And then stage two is anger. And then it goes on from anger to grief to fear and then hopefully to health and healing if we can get them there. But this woman was stuck. It it was uh, six months out, a year out, I don't know, quite a long time. And she was still very much in the angry stage. And she wasn't processing through. She wasn't getting through. And so I said this statement to her. I said, you know, um, what was done to you was very wrong. It was very wrong, but I want to encourage you to ask the Lord to show you your sin, show you where you've been wrong in your life. And then I went on to share about me, how God showed me that, you know, my 10% was that I had been very self-righteous and judgmental and, you know, had resisted my husband in many ways. And so again, that didn't justify what he did but it was getting my focus off of him and onto me and how much I had been forgiven. Well, that wasn't received very well. And when I said that to this uh, young woman, she got very angry at me, really angry. And she didn't hear me right. For some reason, she thought I was saying that her husband's adultery was because of her. And it got kind of twisted up that I said that if she was more spiritual, her husband would have never committed adultery. And so I want to make sure my listeners hear me very clearly that that is not at all what we're saying. We're not saying that that other person's sin has anything to do with you, okay? We're just saying if you want to truly be able to forgive, you have to look at how much your Heavenly Father has forgiven you. Mm. That is the only way you will ever be able to grasp the spirit of humility, which is required in order to forgive. You won't be able to ever do it. Mm. And so, you know, that's what I mean by that is you've got to look at your own self so that you can truly see how much you've been forgiven so that you can extend forgiveness. So Jenny, several of the, um, I guess, situations in forgiveness we've been talking about have obviously, we've got the example of our relationship. Um, we've talked about other married couples, but how do you see, um, these steps, just the first two steps we've talked about, played out in any other relationships? Well, I'm reminded of a situation uh, several years ago when a 
woman came to me, a married woman. She had had crisis in her marriage, and they had worked through that and were doing really well. And But now she was coming to me seeking coaching uh, for a different relationship. It was a relationship with her mother. She had said to me, my mother is like poison. I do not want to be around her. And I'm just ate up with you know this bitterness towards her, and mm. I want to forgive her, but I don't know how. And so I began to coach her, walking her through these things. And I gave her this principle that I call the mirror principle. <laughs> a lot of times I've seen that those people in our lives that just drive us crazy, that we really can't stand... Um, part of the problem is they're mirroring us. We mm-hmm. see in them what's in ourselves. And because of pride, we don't want to recognize that. And so when we choose humility and we say, God, will you show me myself? Will you show me my sin? All of a sudden, we're looking in the mirror, right? And so I remember with Maddie, she came in telling me how horrible her mother was. She couldn't stand her. She didn't want her around her children. And that she was trying to get coaching just to figure out how to get her out of her life, Hmm. you know. And so I gave her uh, homework. And the first week, the homework was, okay, I want you to go home. And I want you to write down all the things you can't stand about your mother. And she was like, I don't need to go home and do that. I can do it right here. I can list a thousand right here. I said, no, 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 no. I want you to go home. And as a matter of fact, I only, only want you to write down three. So take that thousand, and I want you to condense it down into three things that you don't like about your mother. And she goes, okay. So she leaves. She comes back the next week, and she's like, well, that homework was easy. It didn't take me but two seconds. And so she went through the things that she did not like about her mother, and you know, they were legitimate things. They were legitimate hurts and wounds that her mother had caused in her life and attitudes, things that her mother had that were not good, okay? And so we walked through that. I heard her heart. I saw her pain. I listened to her. And then I asked her the next question. I said, all right, Maddie, I want you to go home and I want you to ask the Lord to show you where are these things in you? Well, she didn't like that very much. She was like, what? I am not like my mother. She was not happy about that. I am not like my mother. And I said, I, I, wait, 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 wait. Just, just, just go home, do the homework. Don't, don't get mad. Just ask the Lord to show you, are any of those areas in your life? And if he says no, then you're fine. But if he says yes, let's talk about it. And so she left. She went back. She came back the next week. And I tell you, Paul, it was the most beautiful thing. I met her at the door, and she had her journal in her hand, and she was beaming from ear to ear. And she says to me, oh, Jenny, I can't wait to read to you what God showed me about myself. Hmm. And she sat in that little office with me and tears streaming down her cheeks as she read through her journal and how God had showed her shown her how she was so much like her mother Mm. that the things that she despised about her mother had actually become the things in her own life that she struggled with and so it was beautiful because she was able to see that identify her own sin and then she was able to truly release forgiveness towards her mother and God just really redeemed that situation Um, did it change your mother no mom's the same But it changed her view of her mother. And so she could now begin to love her mother with healthy boundaries in place 
and but love her because she had been able to see her own sin and be able to walk in forgiveness. So steps one and two, choosing humility, resisting pride. Step uh, two, is, you know, is choosing to look at our own sin, choosing to look at our own sin, asking ourselves, do I have a beam in my eye? Is there sin in my life? Attitudes. Sometimes we think of sin as immorality and things like that, but attitudes of self-righteousness, unforgiveness, mm. bitterness, all those things, you know, are still sin. Wow. Well, Jenny, we've got um, three more steps that we need to cover, but we can't cover them in this podcast. This has been rich conversation, and I know it's been helpful to our listeners. And um, But I want to hold these last three, and let's come back in the next podcast so we can devote the time to them that we really need to um, to cover. So I want to encourage our listeners, though, as you're listening, if you've got hurts and wounds, if you've been struggling with forgiveness, if you've got an issues like we've been discussing that you feel stuck in, you don't have to stay there. Jenny's Four Days to Hope this weekend coming up for the ladies. That's precisely what this weekend is about. I've had men that come have come through Four Days to Freedom that um, they've been struggling with the same issues, forgiveness or bitterness toward those who have hurt them. And it's a powerful weekend to be able to walk through those things. So we want to encourage you to um, get help through um, WIT Ministries in any way that we can. So I'm looking forward to continuing on on the next podcast with these next three steps that I think that um, everyone will find very, very helpful in how to choose to forgive and really walk it out. Well, I know they will because I know what those steps are, and I know it's going to be some really, really rich truth next week. So I want to thank you, Jenny, again, for spending the time to be able to do this. And I know our listeners have um, enjoyed this. But if you're listening, though, and you've got further questions or you want to know more about Whatever It Takes Ministries or how we can help you, please contact us through our website, or you can call us at 336-310-5050. I want to encourage you, if you're listening on iTunes, to like us on iTunes. Share this with a friend or a coworker, someone you know, especially if you think they've been struggling in the area of true forgiveness. So I want to thank you for joining with us today. And remember, until next time, your life can be different if you're willing to do whatever it takes. <music> <laughs>